We continue with the Daily Sports Feed on ESPN Harrisonburg. I am Dave Rigger. It's a pleasure to have you along. Let's talk some Marshall football now with the voice of the Thundering Herd. That is Steve Cott. Now, and you're 28. Is that right for you, Steve? It is. Uh, actually, 31 as a part of the Marshall broadcast. Okay. But 28 is the play-by-play guy. How about this? Good timing is critical, Dave. <laughs> My very first game as the play-by-play guy at Marshall was Randy Moss's first game. <laughs> first time I said touchdown heard, the ball was in Moss's hand. They went 15-0, and won the 1AA National Championship. No game closer than 14 points, and we were <laughs> off and rolling. <laughs> you thought this was what it was always going to be, right? Yeah, it's easy. Everybody's happy. <laughs> Everybody says you're doing a great job just because you're saying things they like. No, no doubt. You got to you got to say his name quite a bit. Yeah, that was an amazing <laughs> couple of years when uh, sure. he was here. You know, the crazy thing though, he was doing it the first year against the Citadel and VMI, right? And right. then Marshall moved up to one A in the Mid American Conference, so he was doing it against. Uh, you know Toledo and Miami right. of Ohio. Then a year later, he was doing the same thing to the Packers and the Lions. The Bears didn't matter. <laughs> didn't matter the competition. He'd step up and rise up to it. There's no doubt about that. Again, we're talking to Steve Cotton, uh, voice of the Thundering Herd. As as he meant, as he mentioned, he's been doing this for a long time. And you know, I, I start with that the transition that you saw from from obviously. Marshall has made the transition, and there wasn't a transition period. It was different at that point in time, but it was seemed to be pretty seamless. It's been pretty seamless for JMU up to this point. I guess kind of the same thing with Marshall back in the day. It was, and the seamless part was, you know, when you have Randy Moss catching passes from Chad Penning right. your first year in the MAC, that makes the transition a little different than probably it would be for most schools. But Marshall had a really good team in place, first under Jim Donnan when Mickey Matthews was the defensive coordinator That's right. <laughs> and uh, won the 1992 National Championship. And then uh, Coach Donnan went to Georgia. You bring in Bob Pruitt and uh, Randy Moss and uh, a couple of other guys show up. And you, uh, Marshall won the first four conference championships in the MAC after making the move. So. Yeah. That was unusual. It's uh, you know, and, and since then, some teams have made good, solid transitions. But you know, to when your first four was kind of crazy. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. You're talking to Steve Cotton from Marshall, and you know, talk about this team this year. Obviously, a lot of expectations. A lot of guys back from last year's team that really finished strong. Did, did, I guess finishing last year the way they did. Cam Fancher coming in and going six and one as a starter, and everything that that happened at the end of the season. Um, there were some pretty high expectations coming to this year, weren't there? There were, and Marshall won the first four games right. before dropping the last two, but there was always something not uh, quite clicking. You know, in the opener, you beat Albany with a fourth quarter come from behind win, and then you have to come from behind in the fourth quarter again at East Carolina. That's not necessarily a bad you know win by any means at ECU, but the defense hasn't been what Marshall fans have been accustomed to, uh, and they've been giving up big plays as, as problematic as anything. Marshall has allowed on the year now eight plays of 50 or more yards, six of 60 or more yards, and only Nevada has given up more than that. Wow. So they've got to get that squared away or it's going to start biting them, and it has the last couple of weeks. 
What do you think are, are some of the issues on that side of the football? Because, again, they were so good a year ago. They Again, Marshall and Jane, you had the top two defenses in the league a season ago. We saw that in, in the game in Harrisonburg. But, you know, obviously they, they've got some really good players back, and Owen Porter and, and Mike Abraham, Eli Neal. But, I, I mean, everybody else has gone for the most part. There are some backups now that are, that are starters. But what do you, what do you feel are, are the issues on that side of the football right now? Well, you always wonder when you have a new defensive coordinator. And Lance Gidry, the defensive coordinator, the first couple of years under Charles Huff is uh, now at the University of Miami. And so Jason Seymour, first-year guy. Now, they talked about similar philosophies when the hire was made, so you wouldn't have to change a whole lot. I'm not good enough at the X's and O's of football to say they've changed a lot or they've changed minor things. So that's probably at least a part of it coming up with, uh, you know, understanding the new, even if it's terminology right. and things that uh, the veterans are maybe a little bit slower in picking up. And, you know, and any football fan who watches much knows, if you stop and think when you're playing defense, you're probably in trouble. And so there is a little bit of hesitancy, whether it's because of the changes or, simply because, like you said, there are a lot of new first-time starters out there, guys playing a lot more than they ever have in the past. So there is hope that all of that gets smoothed out. Marshall needs for that to happen sooner rather than later. And again, they, they've, they've been able to sack the quarterback. They've got some interceptions against the pass. They've been pretty good. But that's the one thing that's kind of been surprising. They've struggled against the run this year. They have. And Marshall's run defense is, you know, year in and year out, been among the nation's right. leaders. So... They, you know, and if you don't stop the run, teams don't have to throw much. And that's the strength of this team. But they're, you know, too often have been able to avoid throwing the football by, uh, you know, making the, just being able to grind it out on the ground. We're talking with Steve Cotton, the play-by-play voice at Marshall. As again, the Dukes and Thundering Herd get set uh, for this Thursday showdown. And you know, talk about Owen Porter a little bit. A hometown kid. He 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 was a game wrecker last year in the game in Harrisonburg. Already four and a half sacks, ten tackles for loss, second on the team in tackles from his defensive end spot. But um, it, it just seems like he's a kid that comes in. He 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 puts his hard hat on, gets to work, and just gets after it. He does, and that is the perfect description of him, Dave. He's a guy who. People hate to practice again. <laughs> in the middle or late in fall camp, on rep number 780, he is playing like it is fourth and goal at the Super Bowl. And it is that's just his mindset. He's the first one showing up at the facility every morning. He's the last one to leave. And he goes 100% in everything, be it the conditioning, be it uh, – leading the way on, guys, you need to eat this. Buddy, you need to back away from that a little bit, eat some uh, salad, you know, (laughs) all that kind of stuff. He is consumed with not only making himself but making the team as good as can possibly happen. And that's, you know, a dream for a coach because he's one that uh, you can count on to do what he is supposed to all the time. Sometimes you don't execute, right. but he is leading the way and uh, you know trying to make sure everybody gets in line as well as possible. I know they got a little banged up against Georgia State this past weekend. Eli Neal missed most of the games. Corian Anderson was out a little bit. This team's a little banged up on that side of the football too, aren't they? Yeah, they are, and they are uh, down to the number three strong safety among you know, the, the guys who've started the first two games. Daytuan Smith's been out since then. Carry on Martin had been the starter. 
and then he did not play at all at Georgia State. So, yeah, your two inside linebackers and one of your safeties is there, and that doesn't help if you're uh, struggling to stop people up the middle. Okay, we're down to Steve Cotton, the play-by-play voice of the Marshall Thundering Herd. They get set for James Madison. And, you know, obviously this is probably for the, for the guys too, but just your sense, just how, how do you feel like the, their their attitude is after back-to-back losses? Again, the NC State game was one. I mean, that was a high-scoring game. It's a Power 5 team. But to go to Georgia State and, and really struggle the way they did, how, how, are, how, kinda is, how are they mentally right now? Well, they're irritated <laughs> since uh, – and. They talked about it, especially the coach, Charles Huff, but players were, Porter was, that, you know what, guys, we're getting away with things and we're still winning through the first four games, but that's not going to continue. The schedule's going to toughen up. You get into Sunbelt play, and we can't have these breakdowns and expect to keep winning. And then it has come to pass the last couple of weeks, and they're irritated, which is good. Right. You don't want people to say, oh, well, and, and keep going. So that is, uh, I would say the mindset is that they're mad, and we'll see if they uh, if that translates onto the field. How about the offensive side of the football? Again, Cam Fancher, we talked about that. He made his first start against JMU last year and then really took off and played well toward the end of last year. He's had a pretty good season up to this point, throwing for 251. Um, does have five interceptions with the seven TDs thrown so far. But talk about him and his, his growth and maturity. He, he saw a couple of game action reps his first year, got the red shirt, and then came in the last couple of years. How, how have you seen him kind of develop over the, the last couple of seasons? They have been able to bring him along fairly slowly and not put pressure on him especially last year, because the defense was so good. You didn't need him to go out and put up huge numbers and that kind of thing. Now this year, he's needing to do more, and it's coming along. I think you can see, just uh, the casual fan, that he has a better grasp of the offense. He is able to try to take control and make things happen more than just uh, managing games. It is a guy who's kind of a magic man in avoiding the rush. He has not been sacked that often 11 times through the six games, but the pressure has been there, and and he's just uh, most uh, games two, three, four times avoiding what look to be obvious sacks, and he's a good runner. He has uh, run for nearly 200 net yards, and more and more through the air, he has become uh, a guy you can count on now. The last two games, back-to-back 300-yard games through the air, but those are in losses. You're throwing a little more. Mm-hmm. You're trying to come from behind. So those numbers uh, kind of make sense. But and, and Marshall uses short pass as a kind of run play, so he's going to have a high completion percentage. But, Dave, he completed his last 18 passes at Georgia State. <laughs> he's tied the school record for consecutive completions, and the streak's still alive. Yeah, it is. <laughs> We go into the the game Thursday night, so that is uh, you know a high completion percentage. A lot of that is dink and dunk kind of stuff, but he has become better, and uh, they are trusting him more to throw the ball downfield as well. Yeah, it does seem like that. Just kind of watching from from afar. We're talking to Steve Cotton again. He's a play by play voice of the Marshall Thundering Herd as they get set for James Madison Thursday. And you know, obviously, you, you mentioned kind of bringing him along slow. You can do that with a good defense and a running game. Last year, Kalen Laybourne obviously came in with Rasheen uh, injured, but Rasheen is back uh, playing as, as well as he <laughs> ever has. I mean, hundred almost 107 yards per game, already 11 touchdowns so far this year. But 
You know, talk about their run game a little bit. Uh, I'm sure they, they want to be able to run the football even more, but with the offensive line, the run game, is is that still something that they, they want to get more out of? Yeah, I think so. The uh, run blocking certainly has been better thus far than the pass protection out of the offensive line. They are big, and uh, they can push most teams around now this week's game is going to be a, a different challenge than they faced most of the year in that regard. But Ali is fun to watch. He is, he, he was totally under the radar as a high school recruit because he only played football as a senior oh, up wow. in the Cleveland area. His dad is the best known boxing trainer up in that part of the world. And Rasheen was a boxer. Now, you translate that to football. What does that mean? Well, he's tough, number one. But number two, his footwork is crazy, Dave. He goes to the line and the jump cuts and then the explosive move or another play, a toss sweep kind of play. He drifts, he drifts, he drifts, spots that tiny seam, and boom, he is gone. So the footwork is something to watch, and it is unusual. It is, uh, if not unique, certainly very rare to see guys with that kind of footwork yeah he, he's he's an incredible football player no doubt about that and how about the receiving core uh, it's been made over a little bit some guys getting some opportunities what do you make of that group right now nobody stands out yeah numerically and coach huff says that's exactly what he wants it means that his offense and cam fancher are going to whatever is open whatever the defense allows and so he is not concerned at all that there's not a receiver who's catching passes for, you know, 100 yards a game or the go-to guy. He thinks it makes a tough round of defense when they have no idea where that ball might go. How about this for an unusual stat? Six games into the season, Marshall has had six different guys as the leading <laughs> receiver in terms of yardage wow. so far. So you never know where the ball might go through the air. Now, they did find a gem in tight end, Cade Conley, who uh, transferred from Central Michigan. He was Marshall's leading receiver through four games. Has not played the last two, though, and we're not sure yet exactly when he's going to return. That's a difference maker. He is a uh, talented receiving tight end, and Marshall needs to get him back as soon as possible. Well, that's why I kind of brought those guys up, just because eight different guys have at least 11 catches through six games. So they're spreading the football around, and that makes it very dangerous, much like James Madison so far. But um, this is this one should be a lot of fun. What what are a Thursday night in Huntington? This should kind of be an electric electric vibe, shouldn't it? Well, we will see what the crowd <laughs> is like. You know, Marshall has not traditionally had its biggest crowds on weeknight games. Mm. It is much more, and I think a lot of that comes from the fact that we do draw people from a fairly wide geographic area right. and people who just can't make it work on a school night or whatever because, you know, all those reasons that you can understand there. So, you know, Huntington's not a huge city, and getting uh, everybody to come out, for a Thursday night game, just it doesn't happen as, as typically. Now we'll see what it's like this time because even though the herds lost the last couple of games, there are still high hopes for what Marshall might be able to do this season. Yeah, absolutely, no doubt about that. And I guess your thoughts as you've kind of gotten ready for this game on the short week. What are your thoughts on, on JMU so far? Well, the uh, Dukes again. You talk about the transition that we began our talk with and Marshall's transition. 
JMU has made an amazing transition. Unfortunately, from their standpoint, the rules are different now. And <laughs> right. The uh, inability to you know be able to play in a championship game or the bowl game for uh, that long was something much different than Marshall faced. But I think it's, other than that, very similar to the move Marshall made. And uh, just that success right off the bat, knocking off big-time schools and programs and the traditional – uh, Sunbelt Conference powerhouses, and we're learning simultaneously about just what this right. league is like, yeah. having made the move together. So we, we keep a close eye on what the Dukes have been doing, and uh, it's been impressive. And, you know, not just uh, football. You know, you get into those basketball games last right. year were great. No question. And uh, I think we are probably – on the verge of building a pretty good rivalry as the fans get to know more about one another. I'm, I'm with you 100%, and I hope so, because I think the two schools and, and programs, whether that be basketball, football, whatever it is, I think they're very similar in, in, in kind of how they go about their business and everything. So I think this will be good for a long, long time. And, you know, you mentioned that the move to the Sun Belt, too. Has has your fan base, has the administration at Marshall, had, I'm guessing they think this has been very positive for Marshall, hasn't it? Very much so. Yeah. The difference is that the schools in the Sun Belt are much more like Marshall across the board. Right. Marshall was in the it was in Conference USA from 2005 until making the move. All that time to think about it, I still have not come up with one thing that Marshall has in common with Rice University, <laughs> a uh, private school in a huge city right. and uh, on and on and on. Or, you know, the schools might be a little more similar, but it's hard to get people riled up about taking on a team from El Paso, Texas. <laughs> right. And so a little more compact geographically, you still do some traveling and sure. uh, have some, some long-distance trips, but you do have now more games that Marshall fans can travel to. The Hurt took a lot of folks to Harrisonburg last year. Mm -hmm. We will have, in a couple of weeks, a lot of people in Boone against Appalachian State. Myrtle Beach is the vacation spot of West Virginia. And so we will probably see a lot of folks down at Coastal Carolina for next week's game. So that, I think, keeps fans more engaged, too, when they can make the road trips more often than they could in Conference USA. And the schools are more similar, yeah. and you don't have a lot of major city teams that don't get a lot of attention within the town. You know, FIU trying to build any kind of uh, a fan base in Miami's almost impossible so i think marshall certainly is in the fans feel it's a better fit in the Sun Belt than what it's been in yeah no doubt about that steve i appreciate your time thank you so much for this and uh we will catch up again thursday when uh when we see you at the stadium all right dave enjoy it